guys. Welcome back to the Gen X Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Trish the Dish, and uh, I'm recording this the day after the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And, um, you know, I I spent many, many years, 20, <laughs> um, not really going into too much detail about my experience uh, being in New York City during 9-11. Um, as a matter of fact, I'm looking at like, gosh, eight, two, four, six, eight. Yeah, like eight or 10 um, journals that I kept during um, in my 20s um, that I wrote about everything else. And there is literally nothing between September 10th and November 11th. Um, the day before, I wrote about standing in line for tickets for Coldplay. And this is back when... They weren't really, um, they weren't as well known, um, back then. So, you know, parachutes had just come out and, um, stood outside and, and, uh, in front of the, um, oh man, I used to, well, I didn't read it all the way through, but, um, just one of the venues in Union Square, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I could literally just open up my journal and look it up, but that's not really the point of this episode, um. And then right after in November, I was kind of really disgruntled with, um, with the, uh, with the company I worked with Christian Dior, their corporate office. And, um, it's just really, it's just, it's just completely omitted from, from my time in New York city during that, during that time. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I always kind of felt, and I'm going to kind of go through the, like the day and how that like how it kind of unfolded for me. And, um, you know, I didn't have, I didn't lose anyone, um, in the towers. Um, I didn't know anyone that worked in the towers. Um, I didn't, I didn't really even know anyone that lived in that neighborhood. And, um, so I think part of never sharing my experience that much was, um, I didn't want to exploit, um, my experience or, um, you know, how, how do, how dare I talk about my experience when, um, you know, thousands of people lost their lives and loved ones. Um, so I guess there's a part of that, but, but I had a real experience and, um, and I think after listening to a lot of people's experiences, um, yesterday and the day before on the news, like NPR and good morning America and things like that, um, I thought, gosh, you know, um, what about us average people that, you know, cause, um, it's obvious that if you live through nine 11 and lost people and you worked in ground zero, you were a first responder. Um, you know, you, you were in the immediate vicinity. Um, it's, and, and my friend Jill and I talked about it in, um, in, in, in an episode that I'm actually going to link that in the show notes, um, last season, but, um, you know, there's also this whole other spectrum of people who also experienced it and, and also I think have some trauma from it. Um, you know, I lived in an apartment in the Lower East Side, um, in Chinatown in a five-story brick walk up, which means there was no elevator. Um, so walking up the stairs and, um, there, uh, 
we used to hang out on the roof a lot. I th- I've probably mentioned it in other episodes. And my windows actually, when I laid in my bed, I could see the Twin Towers. Um, I was never much of a tourist when I lived in Paris, London, New York, all the places I've lived that are pretty cool. I've never been much of a tourist. So I never really had the desire to go on the observation deck of the World Trade Center, which is really ironic, guys, because when I when I lived in Illinois and I went to Chicago um, with my students, with my French students, like I was I was always like, hey, let's let's go to the top of the Sears Tower. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe Ferris Bueller had something to do with that. I'm not sure. But um, um, like I I just I don't know. I wasn't when I moved to New York City, I really just wanted to like eat, breathe, and, and, and experience the city as, as someone who just lived in the city. I didn't want to go to Staten Island. I didn't want to, you know, um, I didn't want to go, I went to the museums. I went to like the Whitney and the MoMA and, you know, but I didn't go to the Met. I don't know what the heck's wrong with me. That that's like an epic (laughs) museum. But anyway, um, so I, uh, I took, I believe it was the F train. I don't know why that sticks in my head. I mean, I could always look at a map too, but, um, so anyway, I lived there with two other people and, um, worked at Christian Dior. So, um, I moved from London to New York and, um, had a hard time getting a job. And then I finally, finally got a job as a receptionist at the corporate office of Christian Dior was right above the boutique on 53rd Avenue um, in Madison or something like that. Madison Avenue between 53rd. I don't man. Now, now that I'm like really digging into it, I'm like, I used to be able to just spiel that out. And now all of a sudden I'm like, wait, where was I? (laughs) Um, Between Madison Avenue and fifth Avenue. Got it. Okay. 53rd between Madison and fifth. Um, so it was like the fashion district. The Trump Towers were right across the street. I worked on the 16th floor. Um, I always was serving coffee to models and photographers. And, you know, one of the perks of working for Dior was, you know, getting free makeup and getting um, f- free perfume. Like J'adore was, you're welcome for that beautiful pronunciation, by the way, um, was, you know, like the um, perfume. And I loved Mila Jovovich. And I think she was, I want to say she was the one that modeled for that. I don't know. I feel like, um, I'm really, this is, this is hard for me to unpack guys. So, uh, bear with me. You know how I go, like my brain's kind of all over the place, but, um, I, um, I kind of liked the job, but I also, uh, you know, I was a little punk rock before going into that job and, but boy, did it pay well. And I, as much as I'm, you know, in the last episode with Eileen, I talked about like being a riot girl and kind of being anti-fashion magazine for a while. But then I was just kind of like, but I also did kind of like that stuff too. Like it, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like high fashion was really something that um, was so artistic. And, and in those days, like, so the fashion magazines that I would gravitate to like W and um, I can't remember the other ones, W just in my brain because it was so much bigger than all the other magazines. And I got like a free uh, issue um, working there that I was, I held onto that thing for like years after I left Dior. But so, so I'm, I'm a receptionist on the 16th floor. Um, The CEO and his um, assistant, the VP of sales and, and his assistant and the CFO, um, 
was uh, and and her assistant were all on the floor on the same floor. And then there was a massive conference room. Um, and like I said, like a little like kitchenette. So where I could make coffee for people that were waiting to speak to the CEO and, um, and things like that. So, um, I, I did like dressing nice and, you know, um, calling, calling Paris for people that were coming in for interviews or, or were invited to come to New York for interviews. Like that was pretty neat, but there was a pretty mundane aspect of that job too, you know, like sorting through people's, um, HMO packets and, you know, cause I kind of worked under the human resources, um, uh, umbrella and, you know, ordered flowers, which I got to take home every Friday, which was pretty dope. Um, Voss and all, but, um, it was like, I, if I came in at work at like eight, I'd be done by like nine 30 with everything that I had to do for the day. Um, I was encouraged to stay in my, um, at my desk instead of go out for lunch. So if I stayed, they would pay for my lunch and they would pay for lunch from like these pretty expensive. I mean, as you can imagine, right. Do you guys know Dior? Is that even a, is that even a high fashion name that people even care about anymore? I don't even know. Like I'm so out of the loop of that stuff anymore, but, um, and this day, nine 11 really kind of, began the 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 severing of my desire to be a part of that world anymore um so so anyway um so i i they were you know top of their game in 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 01 you know what i mean like it was a it was a massive powerhouse of a company so of course i stayed at my desk to eat you know what i mean um so 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 here i am you know i'm at work doing i mean whatever um I feel like the first plane hit right after I got to work. Um, I want to say that was 8 a.m. And um, the the secretary of the VP of sales, like I said, was was kind of like in the office attached to mine. And she always left her office open and um, her office door. And um, she was a really interesting woman. Um, you know, she lived in a gated community in New York City, which I didn't even know those existed in New York City. Like I felt like how um, how wealthy do you have to be, you know, to like work or live in a gated community in New York City. And um, so that was like, I don't know. And I've, I, I just had the feeling that she so she was in she probably was my age now, right? Like in her 40s. Um, she she had a a really great New York accent. So I had this feeling that she kind of always lived in a gated community. Um, I'm just kind of giving you an idea of the people that I were around because this is important to kind of the unrolling of the day. Um, but so stay with me guys. Um, but she, you know, she dressed really nice, right? Like she, uh, obviously made good money working as the assistant to the VP of sales of this major, you know, um, by the way, this was like the perfume and makeup portion, not the actual fashion portion of the um, company. I don't know if you know that that's two different kind of parts of it, all under the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy umbrella. So lots of perks to all of the things that fall under the, the umbrella of that. Again, I digress. But this wasn't like working for like, I don't know, Gap is what I'm trying, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? Um, 
the people around me had money. You know, I'm not, I'm not from money. I'm living in Chinatown and, 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 and oh one through, you know, I was paying $800 for a bedroom in, um, you know, one, one toilet apartment, you know, we each all had our bedroom, but, um, I kind of felt like I was paying the whole rent. <laughs> I don't know why I felt that way. Um, surely the rent was expensive. Um, even, even in 01, but I don't know, it was $800 for a bedroom, which I thought was outrageous. Um, but anyway, I'm making about 45,000 a year. Uh, put that in quotes. Um, you'll find out why later. Um, so, I mean, I had more than enough money to like pay off credit cards and shop on fifth Avenue. And, you know, like, um, I know you're probably thinking like, wow, I can't even believe this punk rock chick is like <laughs> really, really fell into that. But it was kind of fun, you know, like this poor kid living this kind of glamorous life. Like I remember being invited to a party once that Moby was spinning records at. And at the time I was like a huge Moby fan and I just couldn't believe it. And guys, I didn't end up going because I didn't have anything to wear. And I was so self-conscious and I, um, it's not that, that I regret ever having not gone to that. It was like a launch party for like um, Hire, which was the male cologne that was supposed to be as big as J'adore. I don't know how well it did. I didn't go to the to the launch thing, but it was a like one of those things, once in a lifetime thing that I just decided like, no, I just, uh, I don't know that I could go alone and be in that world of money and models and uh, I, I don't know. Even even saying that out loud just uh, just kind of gives me a weird feeling inside. Like I, it just sounded like the worst thing that could ever happen until nine eleven happened. Um. Anyway. Um. So I'm sitting at my desk and um. I can't remember her name. Uh, but the assistant was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And she was really kind of over the top. Like, you know, I got the sense that she was pretty sheltered and, you know, anything, you know, she thought it was weird going to, um, you know, the uh, what's that place where you go and cash your check? Like she thought that was the weirdest thing that I, you better watch yourself. You don't get mugged. And I was like, I didn't have a bank account at the time because I just moved there. Right. And I was like, I mean, do people get mugged at like money places? Like I've been doing that all over the world up to that point. So I was like, what's wrong? You know, cause I, she always kind of needed my attention. I felt like, um, so I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, someone just threw, slammed a plane into one of the world tra tower buildings. And I was like, what? So I, I, obviously I've got to get up and I go to her office. And um, this is when the internet is like, you know, um, pretty much a staple part of, of office life, especially in a company like Dior. So she's watching this on the internet. And, um, you know, like a news bulletin thing that's showing up on, on, on the internet, like Yahoo news or some shit like that. And, and sure enough, there's the building just smoldering that first one that got hit. And, um, it looks so surreal. Like it, I remember looking at that thinking like, wow, that's so strange that there's just sort of this like hole in this building where smoke's coming out and it's really thick and dark. And we both, I, and I feel like everyone I've talked to ever, ever, ever that was awake or cognizant during the, uh, during, during this morning, um, that saw that first plane, I feel like every single 
human was like, what kind of idiot flies a plane into a building? This is obviously an accident. Like there's something wrong with the pilot. Like, in other words, the propensity toward this being a terror attack never even occurred to anyone, anyone that I've talked to that like sort of watched this whole thing happening. Um, anyway, uh, you know, so we kind of just wrote it off as like, wow, that's, that's like, that's crazy. Like that, you know, I think I read somewhere that someone said that like a Cessna, like they thought it was a Cessna, which is like a four seater plane, you know, like it, it just was beyond comprehension that this was like a jet plane, like an actual like 747, like a kind of plane that you would be flying, you know, cross country overseas with, with in. So, um, so I go back to the reception desk and, um, I remember that, um, in the next 30 minutes, like, um, more and more people were, um, kind of being made aware that this happened or I, I don't really know. Um, but, a lot of people ended up in um, this room where there was a TV. And I remember someone asking me if I wanted to come and, and watch um, because they were starting to get more information, I guess. I don't I don't I don't really know. I can't really explain that part. You know, there's some details of this day that are more important than others in my brain. So that's what I've latched in onto. Um, but I'm standing there in a room full of maybe like 10 or 15 people. Um, that work for Dior in the corporate office setting. And um, we see the second plane hit. And and it was at that moment where it was just no doubt in our mind. Um, yeah, I've never talked about this. So I'm getting a little, little emotions. You know, I did some yoga yesterday. I, I, uh, and, and I meditated and, um, but this, this definitely um, is the first time I've really shared this, this day um, to this extent, like no one has heard all of this, um, detail. So if I get a little choked up here and there, guys, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, God, I should have put a trigger warning in the beginning of this too. Um, but hopefully if you clicked on it, that it's my memory of nine 11, <laughs> you already know that this is going to be an intense episode. Um, and by the way, my giggling or laughing or making jokes or taking segues is my way of coping with this. It is in meant in no way, shape or form to belittle the experience that this was. I haven't been able to talk about it for 20 years. I obviously understand the, the gravity of this. So, um, just keep that in mind. You know, you know who's driving this train today. So take that uh, with a little grain of salt. So um, it all felt really kind of surreal. Um, I mean, it was just you just knew. I mean, just watching that plane literally flying like the the way that the camera was angled that uh, on the station that we were watching. I mean, we could see the plane kind of circle around and 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 fly into the building like fly into it like like it had taken a sharp like the maneuvering of a plane to do that is pretty astounding i mean when you think about it um it's just madness and i know in some of the the photos that i have seen um since that day i mean it really does look like a plane ran into the building because it's kind of got the shape of like the shape of the plane in um those those sort of early images of the, of the building. So, um, I mean, everyone just kind of gasped. Uh, at some point I, I made it back to my, my, my desk and, um, 
And at the time I was um, really into uh, Yahoo Messenger, IMing, instant messaging. And um, I was I was IMing my uncle because he was up. He was up watching it in L.A. And um, we were IMing each other. Uh, my friend Mary, um, who uh, was living in Springfield, Illinois at the time, I knew from Flagstaff. She was she was one of my core friends from Flagstaff. We we went to Europe together to um, be nannies. I actually took over her nanny job in London when I moved there from Paris. Um, so we were super connected at the time, and uh, we since haven't we haven't spoken in years actually, but we were IMing each other. Um, and, you know, it was just like, what's going on? Like, I'm not in front of a TV. Like, I have to be at the reception desk. Like, there's a big meeting that's starting to come in and people are, you know, working, um, you know, with with the the president of the company. And um, and then I and then the the assistant to the president of the company of, of Dior comes out and she's like, I need you to um, call um, Bernard, it was, his name was Bernard Poitier at the time. That was the present. You can Google it if you don't think that this is a real story. I've, I've been told that in my life. Like you, you make up all these stories and I'm like, okay. I mean, cause no one, no one could possibly live a life. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Like I'm just a really unique human that have a lot of experiences. I've been through, you know, an earthquake, nine 11 tornadoes, like droughts. I don't know. Lots of, lots of major things. But anyway, so she she was like you as the receptionist like you need to you need to call his family until you can. So in those days like um I'm not really sure how phones work these days but this was like a plug in the wall phone kind of thing, right? And um you know so I had to keep dialing the number over and over again um because I couldn't get anyone. Like I just I couldn't like it was just like a busy signal because everyone in the country and world were calling people in New York City to make sure everyone was okay, right? So I couldn't even call my family. I couldn't, and I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave um, because there was a meeting going on. And this began the, you know, just as punk rock as I've ever been in my life, this was just the the magnifying glass or the microscope on just how disgusting corporations are in that they still were going they still were meeting it was still you know no one's going home this is like the worst thing that's ever happened on american soil and we're business as usual um so that left a really sour taste in my mouth you know like i actually didn't i didn't even leave till 4 p.m that day and um i was so scared all i wanted to do was get to my friend angelica um, she's one of the folks that's in the, the Raven in the nineties episode that I did live. And I'm, I'm hoping our schedules can, can, um, coincide to where she can be on by herself. Um, because we got a lot of history, but you know, she was a few years younger than me and I promised her mom, I would take care of her when she moved to New York, which by the way, she's still there. So like she did not need anyone taking care of her. I just want to say that. But I really felt like I just needed to get to Angelica. Like, she's in Brooklyn. I'm in Manhattan. Like, I need to get there. And um, so that was kind of like my goal was like, okay, I'm going to meet her in Brooklyn. Um, I think we IM'd each other or emailed each other as well. I mean, we didn't have cell phones. It's not that cell phones didn't exist, but most of us – did not have cell phones in the United States at this time. 
Um, I did have my first cell phone and before I moved to New York City, but then I and I had one in Paris, but I didn't really I didn't really get another one until 04. So I lived my whole time in New York City without a all 10 months without a cell phone, which is really crazy to think about. But um, somehow we can communicated and connected with each other. I don't I don't even know how we did it. <laughs> I just don't even know. Right. But um, but it was a really it was a really crazy day. I mean, I don't all I remember was just trying to get a hold of Bernard's family, um, ordering lunch and having it you know, like delivered and passing it out to everyone in the meeting, in the, in the, in the meeting room. And then here I am, it's 4 PM. We can finally leave. And I'm like, I just want to get to Brooklyn. Um, I definitely don't want to go to Chinatown where I am at because, um, it's first of all, the subway's messed up to get there. And second of all, I don't have any proof of, um, on my license, my license is an Arizona license. I don't have a New York City license. I don't have that address on my license. So they weren't letting anyone in that area. And those of you that don't know uh, Chinatown, like that is um, basically Wall Street. It's 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 the same area of Manhattan. So like I said, it's the same subway that goes through Chinatown, goes to Wall Street. And my bedroom window faced the Twin Towers. So it was, it was right there. Um, but anyway, I get in the elevator to um, take the subway, um, which, by the way, I had just heard was bomb threatened. Um, and I was going to be in Grand Central Station. That was the, the subway station that I needed to take to get to uh, Brooklyn from Manhattan. And I'm, I'm hearing that it had just been bomb threatened. And, um, you know, I'm terrified, but I've got to go. I've got to go be with my friend. I've got to be with someone. I'm not. What am I going to stay out? stay in the bathroom at Christian Dior all night. Like I don't, I didn't have really anywhere else to go either. Um, but anyway, the VP of sales gets into the elevator with me and he goes, wow, finally I get to go to the gym. Uh, I mean, how, how the fuck can that be what you say? Like, I remember just looking at him and, you know, I'm all of what, 20, 26, I'll be, I'll be 26 that year or 2001. Yeah, no, I was 26. And I just remember being just so, maybe I was 25. God, you guys, I don't even know how old. 25, 26. I was born in 75. You guys do the math. December of 75. So that's what makes everything so hard to calculate. But um, I was so disgusted. I mean, like I hated him. I hated Dior. I hated everyone in that building. Like how could you possibly have that be a reaction after what we're hearing and and experiencing right now, like I, I, I still to this day can't even process that. To be quite honest, anyway. So I get outside, and um, so you know, fifty third or fifty seventh Avenue. Oh God, what? Maybe it was fifty seventh Avenue. You guys, I'm so sorry. I'm sure you could look it up on a map. But um, so this is a space that is super populated, right? Like I said, we're right in front of um, Trump Towers. There's like a Burberry store. There's, you know, it's the the haute couture um, fashion district of New York City in 2001, right? So it's like every major fashion house, art house, no fashion house, sorry, <laughs> um, is, is like on the street that I have to walk by. I've got to walk by the Waldorf um, Astoria Hotel. Um, 
F.A.O. Schwartz. Like this is like a big prominent part of New York City for those of you that have never been. And um, and it's it's like no one is outside. It is there's no planes flying overhead. There's no taxis flying by. There's no people hustling and bustling. I mean, New York City at this time was just like it was in like, you know, a lot of the movies, maybe not like Crocodile Dundee. Like I've never seen streets that crowded. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, where he jumps up on the street sign to like look for someone. I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's a weird. Um, they always show New York City in the 80s as like being like just 20 people deep <laughs> each direction of a sidewalk. But it wasn't quite like that when I lived there, but it, it was constant humans everywhere always except for this time and day, 4 p.m. on September 11th. So Grand Central Station was the same. You know, I get into Grand Central Station. I'm terrified because we just had that bomb threat in there. But I got to get to my friend. got to get to Angelica. So um, I go through this ghost town of a, you know, of, of a train station. I get on the subway and not a single human talks. I mean, you could have dropped like a feather and everyone would have heard it. And um, I don't know if we were all scared that the train was going to be bombed. I don't know if we were all just kind of reeling from what had happened that day. But I mean, it just it wasn't done yet, you guys. Like like the feeling of, of what was happening in New York City wasn't going away because we didn't know. Because you got to understand, we also heard about the, you know, the Pentagon, the Pentagon was being um, targeted and the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania that was probably on its way to the Pentagon. And, you know, we didn't really know where this was going to end. Like when the Twin Towers got hit, you guys, it was like, um, what else can they do? I mean, we just felt I remember just feeling so vulnerable that like, what, what would they stop at? Like they, you know, the, the people that were, that were kind of in charge of, of this happening. And, um, because at the time I was not going to jump at the idea that it was anything. And I don't know that anyone really had claimed responsibility yet. So, I mean, it was still just like crazy people that were faceless and, and rate and racially blank to me. Um, but anyway, um, we come up over the um, – on the other side, I don't know if you guys know about like how Manhattan is set up. But like the the way the subway is, it's underground um, and then it kind of comes up um, on the other side of the Hudson um, River. Um, and the first time that it comes up out of the ground on the side of, of like Brooklyn, you can see – you can look across the windows of the subway and you can see – Manhattan and Wall Street. And that's when I first saw the the smoldering of the buildings and in real life. Um, you know, the dark smoke and um just like how real it is. I mean, it's one thing to see it on TV. It's just such another thing to like to like actually watching these buildings that were like, you know, people say that they were targeted because they were the symbol of um, capitalism, you know. Um, but to me, it was just, that's what New York City looked like. That was the landscape, the cityscape of New York City. Um, and to have just the smoke, this, I mean, dark smoke, you guys, like, like, you know, you know what's burning in that building. You know that it's, you know, electrical cords and it's, you know, jet fuel and it's bodies. 
and it's bodies and it's thousands and thousands of bodies. And I couldn't stop thinking about that. Um, finally get to my friend Angelica's, you know, subway stop. And I, and, and it's a bit of a walk from, you know, that stop to where she lived. And again, just silence and quiet. It, and it was just so, um, it was so eerie. It was, and especially after seeing that, um, you know, that smoke and everything in real life, like just that walk from the subway to my friend's house, like I was just like out of body experience. Like it just felt so, so weird. And, and like I said, I just felt so, um, vulnerable and just, I didn't know what was coming next. I feel like we all kind of felt that way. Um, so Angelica and I just, we hug, we're just like, this is crazy, you know, like, and, and then I don't remember the exact sort of way we got to this thought, but maybe we heard it on the news or, or it was just this desire was, but we, we were like, let's go, let's go have dinner at a local restaurant. Like we need to support people that have businesses right now. Like, like we're not going to let the, these terrorists win. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna spend money and we're gonna, and we chose to eat at a middle Eastern restaurant because, um, I mean, I was pretty much a vegetarian at that time. Um, and you know, I don't know, it was a local place that we loved there in Brooklyn. And, um, so we go to this like little, you know, tiny little restaurant. Like, I mean, it's, it barely has like, you know, eight tables in the whole restaurant and you know we order like like hummus and like falafel and and uh we go we we decide to sit outside because right outside the restaurant was the view of the buildings burning and there were a few people that were in that you know restaurant but mostly everyone was outside in this area watching the smoke and it was it was pretty quiet again i mean again like you guys, New York City is one of the loudest, loudest cities I've ever, I've ever been in. And this was just silence and everyone just kind of watching. And I don't know, we're just kind of eating in silence. And I mean, we could barely eat too, to be honest. Like, I don't, I don't remember eating much. Um, hummus was a pretty great thing to eat at that time. I think falafel was just a little too much for us. But that night I stayed at Angelica's house and um, I, uh, she, she, Waited tables at a restaurant in Union Square or yeah, Union Square. Um, same area where I was the night before waiting in line for Coldplay tickets. And um, so we go down there and, and, and I mean, well, okay, sorry. The night before, I mean, the only thing on the news was about this. I mean, there was nothing on any other channel. And I remember just kind of laying there. Angelica fell asleep. I mean, I don't, I don't know how it, how it was for her. Cause I was so in my brain, but I, I couldn't sleep at all. I could not sleep at all. And that's when they first showed the image of the man that, um, jumped out of the window and it was on the front page of the paper the next day. And it was, I mean, I feel like they played that over and over and over again. And, um, I really had a hard time with media after that because I felt like that was so like, why is that the image that you keep showing us here in New York City? Like, like that. Sorry, like I said, I, I haven't unpacked this in 20 years. <laughs> and and I'm telling you guys, like, even the most mundane experience of this experience was scary. It was intense. It was terrifying. <laughs> um, And just knowing, God, sorry, guys. <laughs> 
just knowing that someone would rather throw their bodies out of this building because it's so big. The elevators aren't working. You know, there's, I don't know, a hundred stories or more. Um, and the plane goes right in the middle of these buildings, right? It's not like it goes over the top. So everyone underneath is like, can run. It's like people at the top are okay. And people at the, you know, bottom are okay, but they can't get out. And as an empath, that's pretty intense shit. <laughs> um, I mean, I have known anyone there, but I was still a human. I was still an empath. I was still a young person who up at that, up till that time was so, um, you know, already sort of um, aware that the world was not like the wonderful, you know, rainbow and unicorn world that people kind of wanted to sell it as. Anyway, so the next day we go to Union Square and uh, I need coffee, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I felt like every New Yorker got the message that's like, we're not going to let the terrorists win. We are going to spend money like ever. I mean, I saw so many humans in Union Square and that, and that was like a pretty cool place in 01. I haven't been there in 20 years. I don't have a clue what this area looks like anymore, you guys. But I mean, at the time it was like, that's where you got great iced coffee. My friend worked at this restaurant that like all the models worked at and she's beautiful too. She, she, um, is just a gorgeous woman. Um, and, uh, we were all just kind of kneeling around spending money. Like, like we were not going to let the terrorists win. Like we are going. And and I was caught up in that too. Like I, I wanted to spend money. I wanted to make sure that our, our wonderful city was still thriving and everyone was so friendly. And, and, you know, people have talked a lot recently in the last couple of days about how united, um, this, this situation occurred. Um, it's really sad that, um, you know, it took something like that to get people like so on the same page in terms of like kindness. Like we're not even talking about war being declared yet. We're not even talking about Al Qaeda or the Taliban. We're not we're not even talking about that occurring yet. Like this is still, you know, 24 hours later and people were just kind and loving each other and being, you know, like it. anyway. Um, so um Angelica had to go to work. I didn't. Um, Dior had told us that the day before that um, to to call in um, and and there, uh, you know, because I guess they got the memo that probably people don't need to be going to work. (laughs) Um, And especially people like me who can't even get home to like wear new different clothes. Um, So um, so I I didn't have to go to work Um, or so I thought put a pin in that. And um, I somehow met up with this French boy, this hot ass French boy who was like half Argentinian, half French um, that, I, that I met. His name was Sebastian. Oh, Sebastian. Sebastian. Um, Seb. I met him at a dance club like a couple nights before. And um, somehow we like connected. Uh, I don't know. I called him. <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> I didn't know a ton of people in New York City at this time, guys. Like, I had just moved there in, like, March. I had a falling out with my friend Jill. I wasn't really talking to um, Johnny and Laurel, these friends that I ended up moving in with later. Um, I sure as fuck wasn't close to my roommates in Chinatown. Um, so I'm, like, I'm hanging out with this hottie from from Paris. <laughs> and um, I remember we met up. 
um, to like have dinner or, or get drinks or something. And I remember hearing on one of the TVs, like the body count was up to 3000 and then it just seemed like it, it, you know, it kept, it kept going. And, and, and recently someone said that it was, it was only at 3000. I had this memory that it was at 5000. And then there was someone who was like, you know, there's, there's surely just remains that no one can even claim because maybe it's a bicycle messenger that was in the wrong building at the wrong time. You know what I mean? Like they just accounted for the people who actually worked in the buildings. Um, not, not like the passersby or like, you know, cause the buildings eventually, you know, fell, right. Like they, they just disintegrated. Like someone had, there's like conspiracies out there that like there were, you know, these, these, um, bombs on each floor because the building how could the building just fall like an accordion like that and i mean whatever i don't listen i'm i'm just telling you guys what my experience was i don't really have a lot of thoughts about that other stuff so anyway frenchie and i were uh seb we're 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 hanging out in this bar and and, and it's dark and it's just i don't know it, it was it was still eerie but like people were like i said they were just like spending money and he's like do you want to stay with me in queens and i was like sure because i think angelica was hanging out with some friends at night i don't know so but it ended up that i that i had go with this random french boy to queens uh to hang out with his friends from switzerland that he was visiting that happened to live there and I stayed like three days with this group of people and we just like drank and smoked weed and, and like unpacked this together. Um, and it was so strange to, to like that. That's I, I was watching this event in a, in the United States in New York city unfolding with these very progressive minded stoners from Europe and you know, we got along really well because we were talking about, you know, the greed of, you know, corporate America and, you know, just and the wars and Desert Storm and like sort of all these things that that like that we felt were like because now it was starting to come out that like, you know, the Taliban had like said that, oh, we're the ones that did this. And, um, uh, you know, and and. I don't know. It was just, um, it was just really weird. So, so one of the days that I was in Queens with Seb and, and the, and the, and the Swiss kids, um, we went for a walk in the neighbor, in like a neighborhood nearby. And, um, you know, there were ducks in the pond and it was like a pretty, pretty wonderful, beautiful day considering what was happening around us and that there was still no, there was still no fly zone over New York city. So it still was very eerie. And still the only thing on the news was about 9-11. Like there was, I'm telling you guys, there was no comedy. There was no, com you know, weren't even commercials. It was just 24-7, you know, what was going on. And I told you that we were kind of having these conversations ab about like, you know, why would people want to do this to Americans and da la la. And, and I told Seb, I said, you know, mark my words, they're going to, they're going to sell t-shirts. This is going to be a thing that's going to be on t-shirts. And, and I remember him being like, oh, no, no, that's disgusting. There's no way. Guys, minutes after I said that, this guy in a car jumps out of his car, opens up his trunk and pulls out these boxes. And there were, there they were, the Twin Towers in red, white and blue and an eagle and an American flag that said, never forget 9-11 World Trade Center. 
And Seb looked at me and he's like, oh, my God. And I said, I know, right? Like, that's what's wrong with our country is that we're already going to make a commodity out of this. We're already going to try to get money out of this. Like, I mean, while everyone else was was like drumming up there, like, yeah, you know, like it's, you know, fuck Muslims. And, you know, yeah, that, like that was starting to happen. Right. That that, that momentum was starting to occur. Um and and yeah, I know what I just said, guys. I just said that we were like, let's let's spend money, let's support local businesses, let's get some coffee, you know, that kind of stuff. But guys, um, wearing a t-shirt about it, I mean, I know that that's like the thing, right? Everyone has t-shirts about 9-11 and flags and, you know, eagles and all the things. I, I know that's very common. But at that moment, guys, that was like the most disrespectful and disgusting thing that we could do as Americans, in my opinion. I mean, that's just where I was. So, so yeah, um, it ended up that, um, I went, I went to work on like that Friday. So this happened on a Tuesday. I don't go to work till, you know, Friday, I got to get my paycheck and I show up. I finally got home by the way, to my apartment, um, changed my clothes, went back to, you know, to Dior to get my paycheck. And by the way, I had called every single day and every day I got this recording that was like, if you were in an area that was affected by, um, you know, the, the World Trade Center, which was my area, right? I didn't have proof that I could get home. They weren't, they weren't letting people in certain parts of New York City because of this, unless you had proof, you know, and I didn't. So I was like, well, if I get my paycheck, it's going to prove that I go, oh, so maybe I went home after that. I don't know. It, it's, it's a little, little hazy, but, um, so I get my, I go to get my paycheck and my boss is like, um, where were you? Like I got in all this trouble and I was like, I don't understand. I, I called the line, like you said, and it said, if, you know, she's like, well, everyone else made it to work. And I was like, everyone else lives in the Upper East Side or in like a fucking beautiful neighborhood in like Connecticut and, and takes that, you know, a train from the north in. Like I'm I'm living in like the southeastern side of the southwestern side of Manhattan. Like I'm I live like where it fucking happened. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like I couldn't believe it. And of course, I didn't say anything. I was just like, okay, you know, I tried to explain and she was like, eh, <clears throat> you can't have that happen again. Or uh, I don't even know what, I don't even know what, but I was like, okay, whatever. Like I'll be at work on Monday kind of thing. And, um, and then, um, you know, that's, so that night I stayed, I stayed in the apartment and I, and I remember, um, like I couldn't take the same subway. Like I had to get off cause the subway was like, fucked up because of this right and um so i remember uh i had to kind of get out like a block ahead of where i usually do on market or something like this i don't i don't remember i don't really remember or maybe that was it was the f train but it only went so far as market but anyway i get out and um i remember the smell i remember the smell so i told you guys how dark the smoke was um and the, the but the smell it was, it was so thick of, of this sort of metal and like chemical, like it was such a sharp smell. It was just, it was so rancid. It was so, and of course I told you guys all I could think about were all the, all the bodies that were, you know, all the things. And, um, so I walk up to my, my room and, you know, by the time it gets to be nighttime, the view that I used to have, 
of the Twin Towers was replaced by these bright blue cleanup crew lights. And that lasted for months. And the smell. And um, I smoked a lot of weed in those days. And um, I don't really know how I would have gotten through this if I hadn't. I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm not a big pothead these days. Um, <clears throat> I think about smoking pot all the time, but I don't really do it, even though I have it in my house. <laughs> um, I, just, I just get way too much anxiety, um, which is the opposite of what it did to me, you know, in those days. <clears throat> in those days, it was like, I'm going to fucking smoke this whole spliff by myself. And I put my headphones on and I listened to two albums, two albums. Every other night I would switch these albums. And they were the only albums <clears throat> and I'll put them in, I'll put a link to them, you know, the Spotify link to them in the show notes, but they were Kid A by Radiohead and Vespertine by Bjork. And, um, and if you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw my post about, um, you know, 20 years ago. And I, and I played, uh, I chose one of the songs from, um, from that. And it's, um, I believe it's Knives Out. Double check that. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, but, uh, I, and I would just cry and I would just cry because, um, I didn't know how to process it. I, it's, 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 uh, like I said, I know I, I, this is why I never really talked about this. Like I didn't lose someone. I didn't know someone. I was technically far enough away that my apartment was standing. Um, but my God, did this affect me to my core? And obviously it still does like just talking about this after 20 years, like I'm still there. I still feel that. And I remember reaching out to my friend, Kate, uh, you know, my bestie that now lives in Portland, who grew up in um, New Jersey, um, actually right across the river from um, from uh, what, what did we say it was ah, the Bronx. Um, and um, and she, you know, I asked her because at the time she was in I believe she was in Denver at the time. Or I'm sorry, um, Boulder, Boulder, Colorado at the time. Um, but she, you know, I asked her, I was like, I, I don't know how to get through. Like, I don't know how to deal with all of this. Like, you know, this, this, the lost souls. Like, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this. And she said, you know, cause we were both studying Buddhism at the time. I mean, still our students of Buddhas, Buddhas, <laughs> Buddhist kids. Um, and she taught me about Tonglen. Because she was doing a lot of, uh, she was actually getting her master's degree in Naropa, which is a Buddhist university um, for social work, and so she was knee deep in in her practice, way more than I was um, actually. And um, so she taught me about Tonglen and how you can, you know, you breathe in with one breath, you breathe in the pain and suffering, and with your exhale, you're breathing out love and strength and compassion, whatever your mantra is, you know, some people just do one word, you know, uh, I've been to yoga classes where it's like Shanti um, is the word for peace in Sanskrit. And then like, what you do is like each syllable is, 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 uh, is a breath. But so she encouraged me to practice Tonglen on the um, on the subway, which, by the way, was constantly getting bomb threatened and 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 emptied. So I'd have to walk blocks and blocks to work and got in trouble for being late all the time. But I'm like, someone left a fucking backpack on the subway. And so they let they told everyone to get off like this is shit that was going on weeks after 9-11 um, and definitely days after so, um, I don't know, but basically, um, 
I decided to quit my corporate job at Dior. Um, you know, it's funny, like I said, I was going through some of these journals and, um, you know, reading some of the, the entries of just the depression that kind of ex- like just overcame me, um, in, in the weeks after, after nine 11 and how, um, I really, really began to hate Christian Dior and everyone in that office and going to the fucking gym the day of nine 11, getting out early so you can go to the fucking gym and shit like that. And, you know, why aren't you here? You know, everyone else was, and it's like, cause I was fucking homeless and I'm not a rich person like y'all bitches. Um, so I left that and I'm, I chopped all my hair off and I, I went, um, and worked at a coffee house. And then after that, I moved to Illinois with my friend, Mary in central Illinois and the peace and quiet of Springfield, Illinois. So that's kind of what happened there. <laughs> I just, I just didn't have it in me. I'm not a New Yorker, guys. I'm not that hardcore. I couldn't keep living there. Um, I even moved up near Harlem um, because I just couldn't, I couldn't bear being in that apartment. I couldn't bear that smell and the lights, the cleanup crew lights. So, yeah. So, guys, that's my, uh, that's my experience. I, I have not shared that with anyone in 20 years, not even myself. I can't believe I didn't write about it in my journal. I mean, that's how much I locked this away. Um, I would love to hear what your experience is. I, I actually reached out in my Facebook group. If you're not a part of that, you need to search the Gen X Voice Facebook group because we do have really great conversations in there. And a lot of people shared stories about where they were um, and, and how how it affected them. And you know, it affected all of us just because you weren't there. Or you didn't lose someone. There's still, there's still something that happened to all of us that day. And I know a lot of you listeners are young enough to not have experienced it or maybe understand like the scope and depth of what happened. But there's a huge amount of us in a lot of generations, millennial to um, those that are still here from the silent generation that experienced this and will forever be touched by this and, and changed by this. And, um, yeah, I'd love to hear your, your story or your parents' story, you know, reach out to me, genxvoice.com. Um, you can even email me guys. If you don't even want to go through the website, you can email me at Trish, the dish at genxvoice.com. I don't know if I've ever told you guys that, but Yeah. Never wanted to talk about it. Anytime anyone found out that I had moved from New York to Springfield, you know, the first thing they would ask me is like, oh, were you there for 9-11? And I was like, yep, not going to talk about it, if that's okay with you. <laughs> um, by the way, when people are suffering from PTSD and they don't want to fucking talk about it, please don't fucking take that personally. <laughs> like, it's not, it's not about you. <laughs> you know, sometimes we just can't. Sometimes it takes some space and time. And so, and, and a lot of fucking yoga and meditation. And, um, so yeah, man, what a trip. I'm glad that, I'm glad that actually, um, so many news sources took so much time and so many people took time this weekend and this past week to, to honor those lost in 9-11. I still don't think we should have gone to war. I still don't agree with all that stuff. I mean, one of the ways that I tried to fight my feelings and, and, or, or, or unpack my feelings is I started an online chat with a whole bunch of my friends about whether or not we should have even be talking about war and things like that. Like, um, I'll have to dig that up. 
maybe uh, maybe I can post that somewhere. Because um, the last thing I felt like we should do is is go to war. I, and, 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 you know, I felt like we, I felt like even, um, it was like, we assumed it was a group of people. I feel like it wasn't even a group that actually said it was them, but I don't know. I didn't, I didn't really watch a lot of TV back then. Um, I didn't even have a TV. <laughs> I mean, my roommates did, but I never, I feel like the only thing I ever watched was like Buffy, the vampire slayer and like, um, sex in the city. Ugh, I know that's terrible. And I think I only watched a few episodes of each <laughs> and Madonna's world tour. But anyway, um, thanks for listening. And um, thanks for, you know, um, I don't know, all the support so that I can have a space that I can do this kind of thing. It's it's kind of means a lot to me. Um, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that. Thanks for listening, and if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't